You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Today is your day, my friend. We're so glad that you're spending a bit of your time with us. Thank you for doing that. Today's episode is a good conversation with the incredible Grace Valentine. Now, if you haven't heard of Grace, she is legit about to be your best friend. Grace is literally the definition of your internet BFF. She's refreshing, relatable, and inspirational. And through her three books, her podcast, and her many books on Instagram, Grace helps women in their 20s navigate challenges within college life, their relationship to their body image, and how to settle into adult life. Through the lens of faith, Grace is here to also help redefine what it means to be a Christian by showing others that Christianity is not lame. It is an adventure worth living. Now, in today's Girl Chat, we talked with Grace all about how to handle fear of what people think of you and practical ways to go about standing firm in your identity of who God has called you to be. We then dive into how to balance societal norms while standing firm in your beliefs, how to share the love and the of the Lord with others, and how to handle people's belief that Christians are quote-unquote lame. This episode really feels just like a fireside girl chat with a glass of wine in hand, and Grace is so relatable, so fun, so full of spunk, and just her life and her story and her words will hands down leave you feeling just filled up today, so I cannot wait for you to be introduced to our new BFF, Grace. So come sit down with us as we chat with the wonderful Grace Valentine. Hey, you. Yes, you listening to this podcast. Do you feel like you've lost all passion, motivation, and creativity? If your hand is raised high to the sky, it sounds like you might be struggling with a little thing we like to call burnout. And let me just tell you, you are not alone in that struggle. We've both struggled hard with burnout in the past couple of years, pushing ourselves beyond our boundaries without any time to rest. Yeah, let me tell you, it is not fun. Over the last year, we've been diligent in setting up boundaries to combat burnout. And let me tell you, we have learned a thing or two. If you've been here for a while, you know we are all about sharing the love and helpful info at The Heart University. That is why we wanna share our tools and strategies to help you deal with feeling completely depleted. Because as business owners, we are all at risk of burnout. So if you're on the edge and needing help prioritizing rest in your schedule, look no further. We have a freebie ready for you to download and implement into your life. Snag it at theheartuniversity.com forward slash burnout. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Grace, welcome to the podcast, my friend. We are so excited for this conversation. I am so excited to be here. I love everything the Heart and Hustle podcast stands for because I feel like sometimes you listen to a Christian podcast or like things that are just too like sappy, not like enough like (laughs) corporate girl like power advice. And I think it'll be (laughs) such a great mixture of both. So I'm really excited to be here and be hanging out with y'all this morning. That is honestly the perfect description of this show. Like we, we, it's heart and hustle, right? Like we got, we got to keep the balance here. Yes. We love it. We're so excited, Grace. I feel like you're going to be that, that dream guest that our audience is just absolutely in love with. Oh, I know Lindsay guest. and I That's are. That's a lot. That's a lot of to now. People are listening like dream guests. No pressure though. <laughs> but I know, I know. So, but I love it. it. It's so fun. Well, okay. For anyone who maybe doesn't know our dream guests for today, I'm just kidding. But seriously, 
Ashley, for anyone who doesn't know you, are you kind of down to share a little bit about your story, a little bit about yourself so that our listeners can get to know you and fall in love with you before we really dive into the meat today? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Can't promise they'll fall in love, but they <laughs> relate to my mess. But I am... 26. I live in Orlando, Florida, but I grew up in South Louisiana and I went to Baylor University, but I started writing. Writing was always like my dream career when I was like 12 years old, but I always thought I'd be writing like fiction, Nicholas Sparks-esque books. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like a hopeless romantic. So I'm like, this would be the per- It was more like Hallmark movie cheesy stuff that I used to I, like. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm here for write. that though, Grace. <laughs> oh my gosh. God. Yeah. I was like, I could write great love stories. They're like the worst love stories ever. <laughs> uh, but it made you, makes you a better writer. You know, first you have to suck at some thing to then like find your style. And so I then always wanted to be a writer and I would say high school, even though like you can get old, I'm 26 now, but I feel like no matter how old you are, like who you are in high school, you can carry that with you. And I was very much a weird girl in high school to like senior year that I kind of became cool, but I was like obsessed with my body, like trying to have a perfect body. Just like a lot of girls in our society, sadly, like dealt with like eating disorder, disordered eating and obsession with working out. And then I remember like wanting to write and be like, do bold, big things. But I was also so embarrassed by what people thought of me. You know, I lived in a town where the moms love to gossip about the daughters, you know, like, it's just like, the cat. and I was like, what am I supposed to do with it? I grow up. And so I remember speaking at like my high school graduation and being like, wow, I have grown so much, but at the same time, still so insecure. Like that was the first time I felt like, you know, if I ever get confidence, I would love to write actual things that can maybe impact people and make people laugh and like hopefully point people to like something more important than the society pressures we feel as women. And so then I went to college and I almost, I went from like struggling with body image and I still struggle with that, but like kind of was in the party scene, even though it was Baylor because I didn't fit in with like the rich Christian lifestyle because I just came from pretty middle class. I've had a job since I was 14 and there was like a lot of Gucci and I was like very <laughs> overwhelmed. Um, and I was like, I was a waitress. People were like, what? Like, what is that? You know? Um, and so I just very much started struggling and feeling left out in my season of college too. So finally I had to like kind of refine my purpose in college and realize like who I was, what I'm meant for and what were lies that I was dealing with. And that's when I started to write a lot more. And I wrote for like my own website. I worked for a bunch of websites. I did some funny pieces like using my humor, but then I did some serious pieces and some mixture pieces. And so, um, yeah, I would say that was kind of like a big piece in my life. And then I just started writing there. And then slowly I began writing, whether it's on Instagram, but even in like my, I read a real book. My first book was Am I Enough, came out in 2018 once I graduated college, but that was a process I worked on during college. And now my third book just came out, which is just crazy to think of how much I've grown. Like I can look back on my first book and be like, I was a child, but I wasn't a child. <laughs> I was still learning. And now I do a lot of Instagram writing. I have a podcast. It's not as like consistent. We're trying to get there, but I do a lot of speaking and it's cool. Cause I think I just desire to find a relatable outlet for Christian girls. Cause it feels like a lot of things are either the perfect Christian girls who always do the right thing and always get the guy. And not like that's bad, but I'm like, I can't relate to you. I've been like, yeah. I've been blackout at a frat party. Like, have you, you know, like, and so, <laughs> not like that makes me like better or worse, but just like, I feel like my mess is always what I was ashamed of. And so I always say, I try to be like in between of like everyone's like favorite, like Christian podcast or whatever. And like a barstool thing. Like I try to like that middle ground of, I know I've messed up. 
but like God is good. And like, also like there's so much empowerment that comes from finding your purpose. Even if you're not Christian, like the idea of what you're here on this earth for, for me, I found it through Christ, but like, I can understand that not everyone has that relationship with Christ that I do, but like, there's so many society lies that tell us about our worth. And it's so mm-hmm. important that you find your worth in something and someone who I believe is God that will give you a purpose. And so for me, that was mm-hmm. the only thing I could do that with was Christ. And that was how I felt more empowered than ever before, because I've always been so female empowerment. Um, but I need to let go of like the lies I believe. So I don't know if y'all resonate with any of that. If that kind oh. of explains the gist of who I am well. You yes. are in good company, my <laughs> friend. I am resonating with every single thing you're saying. I know Evie is. I know our listeners yeah. are. I loved what you said about just like dealing with the pressure of feeling like you have to be perfect, especially like as a Christian woman or a Christian girl growing up. Um, but even if you're not Christian, just like feeling the pressure to be perfect in a society that that critiques you, that in a society that is constantly telling you who to be or a certain way to be. Um, and then always just dealing with that, that fear of like, what will people think of me? Which Mm. I feel like leads so perfectly into the book that just came out. So I kind of wanted to chat and dive in uh, kind of just about societal norms while living a Christian lifestyle, which Mm. you have like the perfect expertise for, but I guess- Expertise. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Sweet. We keep going. (laughs) But like- I guess, first off, you just, you came out with a book called Uh What Will They Think Last Month, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yes. Okay, I'm so excited. So could you tell us a little bit of the inspiration for that book? Yeah, that book I almost look as like, compared to my other books, like the big sister of all of them. Mm -hmm. I think like my first book, all my book titles have been questions. It was, am I enough? Question mark. Is it just me? Question mark. And now it's, what will they think? And I think Mm -hmm. there's so many women out there who want to live this bold life and who feel called, especially whether you're in your 20s or 30s or like upper teens, when you're kind of like, you know, you're on the brink of some very important years and you're ready to do these things and live this life that God has called and that you feel like in your heart, like, this is what I feel passionate about. This is what I know. Like I could do, I'm good at this business. I'm good at this gift. Like I'm really good at connecting people. I'm really good at like helping manage conflict. And like, I feel called to HR, like whatever it is. I think a lot of us think that, but then we get stopped and we're like, well, what will they think? Like, what's everyone going to say about me for trying this? Like, will I look like stupid if I like start a business at this age or if I move to the city and start over, like, what are they going to think? And I'm a firm mm-hmm. believer that if you want to live this life that presses forward to like your present blessings and like what God is calling to, you can't look to the left and right at what people think of you. Like you can't look yeah. at the gossip. You can't even worry. And like, yeah, we can say that not everyone is thinking about you as much as you think about you, but there are some people out there who might talk crap about you. Like there are some people who just will like want to judge you, but like no one more successful than you will ever talk about you. And you'll feel true empowerment when you realize that God empowers women. And I think a lot of women think that in general, being a woman means that God or Christians, their church have abandoned them, that they're not liked by the church and they're not included in scripture. But then I remember also thinking that too, and I would get messages from girls saying like, hey, I want to live this bold life, but it sucks because I know Christian... Christianity doesn't believe that, you know, that I'm supposed to be sit and be quiet, this good little perfect Christian church girl. And then if you look at the Bible, there's stories of women all over in the Bible who were very much like hot messes or did crazy cool things like Deborah who rose to political power, you know, and led an army. And so I think we have to let go of what will they think? Like, yes, the people who are talking about us, the society norms, but also even 
the toxic, I don't want to say toxic Christian culture because I don't think those people are actually living a Christian life, but like the the hurt that you may feel from believing that women are supposed to sit still and be pretty and smile and like ornaments for men and the church even. And so it's about kind of going to who God has called you to be. But in the book, I talk about nine women in the Bible because I just don't feel like I really knew much about the one in the Bible until I studied it, you know, until yeah. I like searched for them. And also the way that Jesus like called women up, he didn't call women out. Like he might've called them up and showed them their sin. But he called them up, you know? And I think that's so important to also realize that Jesus loved women, he respected women, and he wanted women to be called up into his calling. And so Mm -hmm. like you and me and all of us can do big things through Christ and our femininity. Is is that even how you say it? Femininity. I always try to say it fast. But (laughs) (laughs) you're like, let me just say it. And now I say it, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, if I just say it fast, no one will notice. (laughs) But it doesn't discount us. If anything, it's something that Christ will use in this Thing. And so that's just something that I just feel like I was really passionate about when writing this book. And also I've just seen in my life, and I'm sure y'all can relate to this, how much every time I started thinking about what people thought of me, whether it was like an ex-boyfriend, even if I was working out for the sole purpose of getting revenge on an ex or a guy who ghosted me, it was yeah. never as glorifying or worked as well as when I just worked out to celebrate what my body can do and that didn't punish it. You know, yeah. it's, it's like when you are doing things for the approval of others, you're going to be disappointed. But if yeah. you do things to be empowered and to focus on like who Christ is and what you can be through him and not what you have to prove, you're going to live a life that's actually worthy of the calling you have. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> Lindsay and I actually just, I think it was just yesterday. I have no idea. And then no, the, like, this really literally <laughs> goes back to the conversation that we just, this, your episode will air before the one that we recorded yesterday will. But I was like, oh, I have so many calls. <laughs> Yay. You're like, you're experts now. Yes. <laughs> well, we were just discussing yesterday, Lindsay and I did a solo podcast episode and we were having like discussing the topics of self-doubt, insecurity, and imposter syndrome. And Lindsay and I have talked about this one-on-one, but something that like both of us feel kind of top, like top of mind when it comes to all of those feelings, all of those like insecurity, self-doubt, that, that fear of, of man and that like feeling of, you know, everyone else is going to judge me. It sounds kind of harsh when you just say it straight out, but Lindsay and I both really believe that when you're feeling all of those things, that self-doubt, that insecurity, Mm -hmm. that fear of man, that imposter syndrome, whatever it is, um, that's raging through your mind, you are, like I gave the example of like Winnie the Pooh sitting on a shelf, staring at your navel, like with your shoulders hunched over, like you're just looking at yourself the entire time. Your eyes are not fixed on the Lord. Your eyes are not fixed on serving others and stepping out into who God's called you to be. You're focusing on everyone else around you and on yourself versus God who's created, you know, you for a purpose and called you to do something. And mm. that, that like looking up and looking at the Lord and then looking at the people that you want to bless and serve, not the people that you're worried are going to judge you is like the biggest shift you can make in your mindset that mm. will completely set you free from that bondage of like self-doubt and fear of man. So we, it was a whole like preaching session that we had yesterday, but this oh, is fitting perfectly. I love that. <laughs> Completely. Now it's a series. Um, but <laughs> I, I love that you said that because I think also for me, something that I struggle with is I was like, okay, I have to look at Christ. And for anyone who's listening to this and thinking, 
yeah, it's great idea of look to Christ, but I don't know even who the heck I'm seeing. Like, who? what yeah. am I looking at? Um, I love the woman in the Bible, Hagar, because she was at her worst. And at, like, you should read either, like, whether it's my book that helps translate it, the story for you in your life, or just even read the scripture in Genesis talking about her. But she had a really hard life. Like, things were not going her way, and she was a slave, and no one called her by name. Even people that God was talking to, too. Like, he was working through Sarah's life, but Sarah was not nice to Hagar. And Hagar got to the point where she was... And at her worst moment, like in a dangerous situation, pregnant, was abused and was running away to the wilderness. And she didn't come from a Christian, like, or not Christian because Christianity was a thing, or even like a Judaism, like lineage. Like she didn't come from God's chosen people. But Mm -hmm. when she was in the middle of the wilderness in a scary situation, God protected her and she called God the God who sees me. And so I just want to say like, yes, see God, like look at God. That's how you realize you're like your purpose and your calling and you stop caring about the approval. But also you have to realize that you're seen by him first, that he's the God who sees you and he sees you and he sees your giftings. He sees like the things that you're not that good at, the things, your failures, like the things you've choked at, the times you've cared more about what someone thought, the the year relationship that was toxic. Like he sees that, but he sees you for who you are Mm -hmm. and who he has created. And he loves you. And even when you're in the wilderness and even when you're running away from all of your, the, the people who have brought you down, like he meets you right where you are. And so that you can rise up to that and go back to where he is called and live that bold life and look at him. Because I think I would get so overwhelmed and it was like, okay, look at Christ, look at Christ. I'm like, okay, where, where is he? And like, it's like, is he behind the clouds? Like, is he, is he going to be in this next season once I graduate high school or college, or if I get this job, if I finally walk into church again, you know, but he meets you right where you are and he's the God who sees you. And I love Mm -hmm. that that's one of his names. Go off and just preach, Grace. I am here (laughs) for this conversation. Oh, man. I love what you just said about just like he's the God that sees you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when we prioritize that and prioritize like focusing on him in exchange, it helps us stop caring what other people think about Mm. us. Um, But I actually would love, I know you talk about this a lot in your book. Could you give us like some, just a couple examples of practical steps to genuinely stop caring what other people think about you? Yeah. Well, I mean, like the first thing based on like Hagar, I think it's like the first you have to realize that you're seen by God if you want to be able to like see what other, like what your calling is and not care what people think of you. But two, I think it's so important that you just realize that you can't please everyone, that there's always going to be someone prettier than you. There's always going to be someone more successful than you. And I think we have created this toxic thing of encouraging our friends through comparison without even realizing it. Like we might say comparison is a thief of joy, but then when your best friend is stalking the new girlfriend of her ex-boyfriend and you show her social media and you're like, oh, is she even that great? And you're like, no, you're so much prettier than her. Like you think Mm. that's going to comfort her. And those are little conversations that I've seen like practicing Christians do like people who I've seen myself do it too. You know, I've seen myself just trying to tear other people down. And when you speak destruction in people's lives, you're only going to see destruction in your own life. And you're only going to compare your own life that when you start gossiping and putting other people down, then you know what you're going to assume? You're going to be like, well, everyone else is gossiping about me because you're looking at things through a lens of just comparison and through like toxic conversations. And that's never going to make you feel good. And so that's something that I think is tangible. And also I mean, there comes a point when you have to give yourself the grace to suck. 
And I think I talked about that in the beginning. When I look back on my first writings, they sucked. Like they were horrible. They just like, I'm sure if you look back on your first podcast episode, it is so great because it let, led people <laughs> to like good things, but it probably wasn't your best podcast episode. No, I, yeah. I recorded with the mic wrong. So my audio is trash. <laughs> yeah. You're like, and now you listen, you're like, oh my gosh, I have come so far. Right. Like, <laughs> I learned so much. And I think you have to give yourself the grace to suck because People may notice that you suck, but you're not going to get better if you don't want to take which criticism versus just people throwing opinions at you that are mean. But then if you suck, you're going to get better, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. and then also I would say there comes to like reading scripture in your life and putting yourself in like an environment that helps you grow. Because, you know, when you're like, there's weeds in our life. And when you plant a flower in a surrounding that's suited for growth, it's going to grow. And so if you're trying to grow into your calling, like you need to be in an environment that's suited for growth. Doesn't mean that you don't have weird bugs crawling up on you occasionally, like somehow coming in your <laughs> life, but like you still have an environment where people are, you know, trying to help you grow. They're nourishing you. They're pointing you to Christ. And I think that's so important with friendships because, I think we've all had friendships that end up just bringing us down and we try so hard to please them. And if that's like your friendship, that's more of a missional friend, not someone that you need to be planted next to. You know, that's Mm. someone that you can like go and shine your light for, but that's not someone you need to be like parked next to. And so that I think is very tangible too for not caring what people think of you. It's so good. I think there's there's so much power, you know, even as you were were talking, Grace, of kind of some of your story and, and just the understanding of, uh, you know, women in the Bible and, and some Christian women feeling like, you know, they're not supposed to live, whatever, do anything of importance. They're just supposed to sit and be eye candy or arm candy for Mm. men in the church or whatever. Or sidekick. You're like a guy can do cool things. And like, he can be someone who preaches the gospel, but not me, you know, keep going. No, that was, it was just so good hearing you say that. Cause for me, I grew up in, in, just a a family in an environment where I never believed that. Like I never thought that once and hearing you kind of talk about, you know, the, the thought of if you're going to grow, be in an environment that is conducive to growth, be in an environment where, you know, people around you are, are willing to, you know, put down the compost and willing Mm. to, you know, like, like, and compost is decomposed matter. So that's probably decomposed like previous thought patterns or habits Mm. or, you know, whatever it's, it's stuff that has died and is now giving the nutrients to nourish new growth. Anyways, that's a whole other analogy, but you know, that, that point of surrounding yourself with friends, with mentors, with, you know, if that's not your parents or your church environment, like finding people who are going to speak life into you, Mm. who are going to like put their roots down, who are going to go through the season of, you know, putting the seeds in the ground and it feels dark and damp and cold. And you're just sitting there like in the soil waiting for something to sprout. And they're going to be the people who are watering you, you know, up above Mm. being like, you've got this, you've got this. I think that's one of the most powerful powerful things that, you know, as believers, as women who are feeling called by God to do something big or do something, you know, difficult or scary. And we're just sitting there like, what, what will the world think of me? What if, what if I, you know, my first seed doesn't sprout? What if blank, 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 you know, fill, fill in those blanks. Who is around you? Like who is actually the people who are having the most influence and voice into your life? Cause those people can make or break your life. And those people, to me, in my experience, those are the most important people that you have to focus on is surrounding yourself with that environment of growth and those people who are going to support your growth and speak life into you. 
No, that's good. And I would also say be that friend you don't even have right now. You know, mm-hmm. if you it's easy to be like, oh, my gosh, my friends don't support me. Like, it's so frustrating. Well, like, are you supporting your friends? Because sometimes yep. friendship is like taught over time. Like when you were like, wait, when she went out of her way to do this for me, and it's not like you do it because of that, but you're like, I was loved so well. I want to love someone in that way. Yeah, well, too. And so support your friends. And I think there's so many girls who nowadays, like their friend, I've been a bridesmaid like eight times, you know, and I, <laughs> every time someone asks me, there's been days where I'm like, oh, this is sad because yeah, I would like to be married and I would love for that season. But like her blessing doesn't discount my own blessings. Mm-hmm. And if I start competing against my teammates, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be an environment suited for growth for other people. You know, I'm not going to be this friend nurturing my other friends or helping celebrate them. And so like celebrate your friend's successes. Like I think we also throw so many bridal showers and things like when your friend gets that promotion, celebrate the heck out of her. Like when your friend even just is volunteering and doing something with her gift, be like, I see that in you. Like, yes, yes, there's a God who sees her, but be the friend that sees her and sees her giftings well so that you can be someone who is creating a garden to grow. Yeah, that's so good. Be the friend that you want or wish you had. Yes, because sometimes it starts like that because I think a lot of times we get lonely in our 20s and we're like, no one is out there like helping me. And I'm like, well, are you even being that friend to anyone? Are you putting yourself out there? Like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing worse than putting yourself out there and then the friendship not being reciprocated. But that's the risk we take in order to find good friends. You know, the risk is you love like crazy. And if someone doesn't love you back, you're not upset because you know, love comes from the cross, not from an exchange, you know, not from I'm doing this so they love me. And so that's something that I feel like has been so important for me. But I loved everything you said too about just like how we need to be around these people and how even the fact that you'll do this podcast together, what a good example for people to listen to. You know, things are so easy to want to celebrate yourself, but it's so much more fun when you do things with people. And I would also say there are so many things that come from being bold and it's not just about what you do do. It's also about what you don't do. You know, Mm -hmm. it's about the times you don't just spend your Friday night, like getting, not saying getting drinking is bad because I still drink. Like I love red wine. It's great. You know, but like (laughs) when I was living this life of just like taking, like slapping back shots and going to environment, that was like a frat party that just made me like sick to my stomach and like Mm. insecure. Like I wasn't able to grow because I wasn't being bold in what I did at the same time. So it's like also about what you don't do. Mm -hmm. That's good. Listen up, entrepreneurs. Do you ever struggle with getting all of the nutrients that you need in a day? Because let's be real, you are busy as heck. Same. Introducing Athletic Greens. We've started taking AG1 because we wanted to see what all of the hype was about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Literally all the things. Yes, AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And a friend of ours describes it as white gummy bear flavor, and that is very accurate. (laughs) Yes, it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in the winter months when you don't get as much sunlight. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash heart. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash heart to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Have you ever been working with your team on a project and you're trying to do everything over email? 
And let's be real, things work well enough in the beginning, but once you start adding more than a couple of people or sharing more than a couple of files, the whole thing becomes a big old mess. We relate to that big time. We uh, started our team communication via text messaging. So let's just say that got very messy very fast. (laughs) Yes, this is where Basecamp comes in. Basecamp is designed to make managing projects easy for everyone. Basecamp offers a straightforward concept of project management, and it allows collaboration with internal team and clients. Yes, a lot of Basecamp customers use it to collaborate with clients, but it was also built to help teams stay in the loop of the work they need to do without overwhelming everyone with countless emails and notifications. The company as a whole is big on work-life balance, and you know we love that here too. Go to Basecamp.com forward slash heart and sign up today to start a free 30-day trial. There's no credit card required and you can cancel online at any time. Yes, if you want to know if Basecamp is right for your team, signing up for a trial is the best way to do so. Remember to go to Basecamp.com forward slash heart to get your free trial. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. I would love to ask this question because I feel like we're bouncing kind of around this topic of how to almost live a bold Christian life in the midst of a culture and a society mm. that that can often very much very much seem countercultural to the Christian faith. So how do you I guess how do you balance like not being the quote unquote like weird Christian girl. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. I mean, yeah, there's like certain like, I don't want to go on. Sometimes you ever look at a ministry, you're like, man, who is this reaching? Like, I'm like, and there's, they're so, they're so great. And I'm all like, if there's someone, if at least one person finds Christ, but I'm like, okay, are you being like judgmental though? You know, there's, it's hard to have that balance. But I would uh-huh. say, I look back in college and when I was at my worst, I'll never forget like a girl and even a guy like picking me up at my worst party, driving me home, like tucking me in when like a senior guy could have totally taken, was trying to take advantage of me that night. And I think sometimes we think of being Christ-like in a setting of being like someone who's just sitting at church, you know, but I would say like Mm -hmm. loving people crazy well um, and not waking up and expecting anything in return that night. And so I think in this culture, like people are going to always near, need a listening ear and someone to be there when they're in the wilderness, loving them well. And so in this counterculture way, I think there's a lot of Christians who are great at talking about theology, great at sitting in circles with Christians and having great community and going to a Bible study. But there's not a lot of Christians who are even trying to look at the other culture. You know, I think you have to be like the God sees them. You have to be willing to see the people who are living a different life than you. But don't get me wrong, like you need to be rooted in Christ, but you need to see them for who Christ has made them, love them well. And I think that's the easiest way that we can shine our light. But when it comes to standing firm in today's culture and just with the lies, like, I mean, like when I think of like college grace, who was like, I can't be a good Christian till after college. Cause I'm just stuck in this party phase. Like this is who people think. I think it's also per- important not to let your reputation speak for your future because mm-hmm. I would get to the point where I was like, well, I want to be this good. I really genuinely wanted to be someone who's on fire for Christ. But I'm like, it's going to be so freaking weird if I walk into that church because people know Uh my reputation. And I love the scripture does this so well because it tells us like, okay, there was a woman at the well avoiding all humans because she knew they all talked bad about her. And she went to the well at the hottest time of the day to get water, what was her daily chore. But she went when she thought no one would go and she met Jesus right there in the middle of her mess. But then after she talked to Jesus, she went and told her whole town about her conversation conversation with Jesus and the whole town believed, you know? So she was bold enough to listen and have a conversation with Jesus. But then she was even more bold to be willing to go back to the town that probably talked about her and live this life that Christ had called her to. And so I think 
there was probably there people who were like the good people in the town who didn't necessarily have faith in Jesus yet, but who were quote unquote good morally, who didn't have bad reputations, but she still was Mm -hmm. bold enough to go to them. And so that would be just my challenge for anyone in this culture today is like, be bold enough to meet Jesus, but be bold enough to leave your reputation with Jesus. Like bring that to his feet and don't be afraid to go to the people who talk about you and be confident in the conversations you've had with Christ, because I think it's so easy. And then also just loving people and seeing people for the way Christ sees them. Because if we just sit around in corners and talk theology all day, are we really living out theology? You know, if we're having a debate over what this one paragraph meant in the Bible, are we actually living out the love he called us to? Like this, you can do both. Like you can have those theology docs, but you need to go freaking live this life because this culture needs more lights out there. Absolutely. I love what you said also just about reputations because I think a lot of people think their past or their past choices or even a choice that they made today or a choice that they made yesterday that that disqualifies them from the love of Jesus or that disqualifies them from ever reaching just him in general. And that could not be farther from the truth. So mm-hmm. I love that you just said that. Mm-hmm. Like your past does not disqualify you from Jesus. Or but I but I do think on the flip side the church and and Christians in general can do so much better of a job at genuinely going out and loving those people and not, Mm. not making them feel like they are not welcome in like the perfect little Christian circle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I used to like pour into a couple girls who just had completely different home lives. And it was, it was a great, it was with teen pregnancy and it was a really challenging time because I really wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus in that moment. And then I finally realized I was loving them for wanting results. Like I wanted them, like they accepted Christ, but then they were like still kind of living this life that wasn't, you know, I was like, there was no conviction. I was like, did they really accept Christ? Which isn't my place to wonder, you know? But I remember Mm -hmm. feeling so drained and wondering, oh my gosh, did I even do a thing good? Like I'm not getting the results I expected. Like I thought they would just go around. And I honestly felt God give me a piece saying like, you don't love people in return for results. You know, you don't love people. And I don't hope that I can change them. I want Christ to change them over time, you know? And so I think that's been something that I had to learn the hard way that when you love people and you hope that they can see Jesus in you, like you're not doing it for these results or for what you want, for what you expect it to go. Like you're loving them just because Christ loved you first. And Mm -hmm. you might get walked on, you know, I think getting walked on is the price we pay for loving people well. Like that's just Mm -hmm. something you have to realize that we may get walked on. Someone may always call us when they need something and never be a good person in return. And you may have to have boundaries. Don't get me wrong, but don't be so good at doing boundaries that you like don't do crazy love for Christ. Mm, that's so good. I mean, I think that's like one of the the poster moments of this podcast, especially as believers who are, you know, hungry to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus, who are hungry to, you know, spread the love outside of our little circles that are safe. And, you know, we all uh, agree, or even if we don't all agree, going out and seeing those people, seeing that person walking through the grocery store and feeling that nudge of, hey, go like ask if you can pay for their groceries or, you know, whatever that looks like, just the simplest little things, whatever God's nudging you to do, whoever God's telling you to go speak to, recognize that your job is to simply be available for God to use. It is not to be the hero. It's not to be this person that's, you know, seeing these results. It's not to be this perfect, 
whatever. It's, it's to be available for God to use and be ready to move when God says to move. So I, I love that conversation. Wait, I love that you just said that because there's something that reminds me of. And it's like one of the women in the Bible I talk about whose name is Tabitha. And we don't know much about Tabitha. It literally has like one line to describe her. And it's that she was nice and she cared for the poor and the overlooked in her town. And she would sew because she had the gift of sewing. And that was a trade back then. But she used it probably for money and income, but she would also sew clothes for the widows and the poor. And they were like the most overlooked groups of people back then. And then whenever she died, the there was like all the poor people in her town were so sad she died that they walked like 23 miles there and 23 miles back to get Peter and Acts because this is after Jesus rose from the dead. So Peter was performing miracles through like Christ and the Holy Spirit to show others who Christ was. So Peter came and rose Tabitha from the dead. And I, I love that story because I think it's so easy as women too to think like to be bold and to do something big, I have to be big. And like you said, be the hero, make my name great. Like it's all about being this main character. But Tabitha was great at doing holy things, not main character things. Like she just loved the people to her left and right really well. And that left a legacy in her town when people were crying when she, they thought she was dead, they were crying, just looking at the garments that she had made them. And so when we see our lives, it's not necessarily about to do the bold thing doesn't mean we're going to be doing the big thing. It may just be mm-hmm. being in the middle of our hometown and leading a Bible study and watching Christ slowly move over time. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be being good at sewing and doing it for other people or teaching other people how to make jewelry so that they can make an income. But that doing the bold thing isn't about being the big thing, but it's about doing holy things. And uh, yes. that just reminded me of that story. It's almost the opposite of that saying that's going around that's like main character energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost the opposite a little oh, bit. Oh, completely. I honestly, like, not that I hate that thing, but I'm like, if we all try to be main characters, what a horrible world. Like, yeah. we're all going to fight that's each other movie. off. Like, yeah. It's like literally the movie where they all like, what's that movie where they all get to kill each other? Like, I don't know. But like, that's like, I'm like, if there was a bunch of girls trying to be the main character fight for center stage. I, we're just going to miss out on something that could be really great if we all join together, you know? Yeah, that's, oh gosh, that's so good. Okay, this is a conversation. I feel like it ties in to this, uh, that there's almost a stigma too within society, not only for, you know, we've talked about us kind of going into society. How can we love others? How can we, you know, stay firm in ourselves, but also love others? But I almost want to flip the lens and and view it from society towards Christians, because I I feel like there's this stigma. I don't feel like there is a stigma for a lot of Christians that either we're stuck up or we're judging or judgmental, or we're just lame. Like I, I remember growing up and having, you know, people make comments or whatever and be like, oh my gosh, she's just like a goody, goody Christian girl, you know, whatever. She just this like nobody. She doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Like no fun, super lame. And I think from the outside in, it's very easy to look at Christianity and, you know, walk with the Lord and be like, oh man, you have rules and limits. You can't sleep around. You can't, you know, whatever limit or rule that people would perceive. But I mean, from, from our experience and I'm sure Grace, yours is the same. Like life with God is actually not a life of rules. It's a life of freedom. And any healthy boundaries that God has given us are for our benefit, our health, and our our freedom. And there is so much joy and purpose and satisfaction and health and just all of the, the freedom and everything that the world is hunting for in Jesus, in the Lord. And I would love to chat with you, Grace, 
from like your opinion, your perspective, your thoughts on just that stigma around Christianity? Do you have thoughts about that in general and thoughts about how to kind of approach sharing that freedom instead of like, I guess, uh, dismantling that, that belief system around Christianity as a believer? Yeah. And I love that you asked this. And I will say, I've also totally met plenty of Christians who I'm not saying they're boring, but who live this legalistic life and like thinking that Christianity is lesser rules. And I feel bad because I think they're also missing out. And I've also experienced church hurt and that is the most painful thing ever. And so there's probably someone listening to this who has just been burdened down by Christians. So like, you're like, these Christians are trying to be loving and they're not. And like, that's a bad feeling. But especially when it comes Mm -hmm. to freedom, what you said, I remember being in high school and kind of being made fun of because I was in South Louisiana, which was interesting. So being like the good Christian girl meant like I only blacked out once at a party. Like, you know, like it was like a very different stigma than going to Baylor University, which was a Southern Baptist school where I had like kind of made my sin about my environment, you know, what was different. Because I was like, well, I'm the good girl in South Louisiana. And I think we get into such a issue when we're trying to make our lives about that. But when it came to being freedom, I remember being like, well, I need to experience this like fun, crazy college life in order to experience freedom, you know, driving down that interstate away from my parents, sneaking out, like being able to be the girl who gets to cut the line in the bar. Like that looks so fun to me. And there was nothing more unfreeing than living that lifestyle. Like there was nothing worse than waking up hungover and eating water, seeing cringy texts from being drunk the night before. Uh, Like that is not freeing. But I remember thinking like if I danced on tabletops and live this life that I'd finally have this true freedom and that Mm -hmm. I would be living this cool girl college life, but I wasn't. And I've learned like a lot of girls who are kind of living this life, whether it's sleeping around or just like, they're just trying to experiment in this world to look for fun. And they do it because they think it's freeing, but they are so sad. Like when I think of myself in that stage, I was so sad. I was so trapped. I Mm -hmm. felt the opposite of freedom. And when I finally allowed Christ to become what I stood for and who I was talking to and in a relationship with, then I was experiencing way more better memories, one that I could actually remember than anything before. So I always tell girls, I'm like, you don't need to give up alcohol or like when you don't need to give up alcohol completely, but you don't need to stop being the party phase because it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's illegal to drink under 21. I get it. People say that the church will often say that, but I'm like, you also don't have to like, that's what I wish someone would have told me in college. Like when I was kind of stuck in that phase is like, you don't have to, like, I know you're not having fun. Like, I know that you feel burdened and like, don't get me wrong. There's some things that are worldly that are fun. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we are crave sex. Like it's, it's probably really fun to just sleep around sometimes. But then there's also heartbreak that comes from anything that is not of Christ's design. And there's mm-hmm. also you're going to miss out on God's blessings. Not you're never like stuck there, but you're going to miss out on God's goodness when you're not living obedience and obedience isn't boring. It leads to adventure and freedom. And so that's something I wish in college, I learned the hard way of just thinking that freedom was only experienced without Christ's obedience, Mm -hmm. but I've learned that Christ's obedience has led to freedom. I had never seen snow really like made a snow angel till I started following Christ. And I got a speaking gig when I first ones in Colorado, I never been. And I remember looking at those mountains and being like, wow, this life with Christ and just following his lead has led me to places I never thought possible. I made a snow angel for the first time. And I just thought what a beautiful picture of something that I never would have experienced. Like I'm not getting bottle service in a Dallas club right now, but <laughs> I'm living something that's way more cool. And so that would be my advice for anyone. I don't know if y'all have any more on that, but 
not letting people think that you're missing out. I think the enemy loves to tell us like you're missing out on something great, but he usually only tells us that when we're about to experience something great from God's best and from God's goodness. And so if you feel that pull away from Christ and that, oh, haven't you tried this? I mean, like that's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. It was like, well, why don't you, why do you trust God? Like, don't you want that tree? You know, don't you want what you can't have? Like that's how the enemy first targeted us because he knows we want to experience so much. But when we trust God, we're in the garden and we're in the, even though we're not literally in the garden anymore, but we get God's best. And that's way more adventureful and freeing than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yes. The image that's coming to mind in this entire conversation is like a parent in, in, with their child in like a gorgeous, lush yard that's like a lot of acres, right? Like just like a huge, lush yard. And the parent is telling the child to be like, hey, you can run anywhere in in our yard. Like there's playgrounds, there's trees to climb, there's all the things, but hey, don't go beyond the road, right? And mm-hmm. and the reason the parent would say that is because there's cars that can kill you and like <laughs> run into you on the road. And I feel like that's how I see, I mean, that's how God's law and his like quote unquote rules are. Mm-hmm. It's like technically, yes, it is a limited boundary, but it's it's we still have free will. We can physically run into the road if we want to, but yeah. he gives us those boundaries because he loves us and because there is so much freedom in playing in the yard. And, and he wants our best for us. And it's like, yes, we physically can run into the road, but he tells us not to for a reason that's benefiting us. And mm-hmm. I think that's how I, I don't know, that just as you guys were talking, I was like, this is the image that's coming to my mind uh, as we're just no, talking I about like that. his rules, quote unquote, that actually truly give us freedom. Yeah. I and think there's like something. Kid, sorry. No, go for it, Grace. <laughs> well, I was like, and just like literally a little kid would be way more happy in the playground. It is like that, you know, well, I want to run out in the middle of the street. Like you're going to, you're going to enjoy the playground more, you know, like that's yeah. just literally, and it's right there. Just, and also it feels so easy and it's easy because God designed goodness for you, you know, and it's right there that you don't have to go anything else. But I've also been at that point. I've been always a daredevil. I like, I want to try it. Like, you know, I need to, I'm like, YOLO. Like that was back in that 2010. I think I said that a lot. Anyways. So I know how tempting it can be, but I just feel like from heartache, I've learned that. What were you saying? Yeah. Yeah, I I just was going to say, I feel like it's, there's something too with, you know, this, the stewardship model, like when Lindsay, you were giving that visual picture and I was just sitting there thinking, oh man, it's so true. And when you are, are so enthralled with, your parent and diving deep in that relationship with like God and exploring what he's given you and you're stewarding, like, let's say he's given you a little patch of garden or, you know, whatever. And you're, you're stewarding it well, as you're growing up, God suddenly like expands your, your territory. And so it's no, no longer even just 10 acres or whatever that size was, it becomes a hundred acres. And then it becomes like, it's not, like I never feel in my walk with the Lord that I'm confined. It yeah. never feels even like it's 10 acres or a hundred acres. Like it never, I never feel any confinement or restriction that feels like it's holding me back. Any boundary that I know the Lord has given, whether it's, you know, running into the road or whatever, diving into a, a rip current in the ocean or whatever that is, I know, oh, whatever is on the other side of that, there is 
deceptive perspective, like ideas of freedom or joy or fulfillment, but it is not true. Like whatever is there is going to hurt me. It's going to hurt the people around me. It does not feel good. You know, from personal experiences, from, from friends experiences, I know like, I don't want that, but I do want what I have. And it just, it feels like it continues to grow. Like my, my capacity and my space with God just continuing to grow my opportunities continuing to grow. Like it never, and I think that's one of the the misconceptions from like society is that we are confined to this little like fenced in. And I know Lindsay, your analogy was like a big acreage and yard, but I do think uh, there's a, like a perception of like, oh, you're just confined in this tiny little postage stamp backyard and you can't move and it gets boring. And I'm like, oh gosh, no. Life with Jesus right. is the farthest thing from boring. <laughs> well, also he changes your heart so that you, when you actually steward and cultivate that little yard or however yeah. big it is, you have no desire to run into the street. Yeah, it's so true. I, I love, love that it. analogy. <laughs> Here to provide the visuals, guys. <laughs> I know. Good little metaphor. Oh, oh man. I love it. So well, Grace, fun. we we love asking all of our guests this question. Uh, we are big readers, and you, I mean, you wrote a book, so I'm assuming you are. Yeah. Well, you wrote no multiple books. Three. So I want to know: Do you have a favorite book that you've read recently? Okay, well, I did. This is so. There's like a good book I read that gave me like good advice, and I would be Find Your People by Jenny Allen. Like that's a really good book, and I really recommend that. Oh, I've heard on that. My, on my like secret, like, haha, beach read. Um, well, I first watched the TV show. This is so basic. Uh, but I watched this t- TV show the summer I turned pretty. And I never read the books. And so I was like, okay, I need to know what happens. I also need to know why everyone's team Conrad and I'm team Jeremiah. And so I was like, let me read the book. And so I started reading the first book. And it's been really good, even though I already know what, like, you know, the TV show. And so, yeah, that's like my guilty pleasure. I'm 26, reading a book meant for 16-year-olds. It's great, you know, but it's been so fun. And like, reminds me of being like a teenager. Do you, do you think that the, I haven't watched the show. Do you, is the book better than the TV show? Oh, well, the book or makes, are you not far I think enough it's in? almost like a, I'm not far enough in, but the book makes me understand why some people, people are way more team Conrad. If that makes sense. It's, uh, it sounds like Twilight, Team Jacob, Team yeah. Edward. Um, but it's great. It's great. Anybody that's just, seen that show will understand. I don't. Yeah, the book makes me understand more the story because it's still very similar, but like more of like a bigger picture, if that gives it yeah. all clarity. But I will say, I love the TV show for the part that's like, they put, they have like a big music budget. There's like Billie Eilish song, like Taylor Swift. There's like four Taylor Swift songs. I'm like, that must've cost some money to add those songs in there. <laughs> um, like any popular song, like a Cardi B, I just think it's funny. Like any popular song in the past year, very recent is in the show. And so it kind of makes, keeps my attention span. Cause I'm pretty ADD, but yeah, I'm in love in that. But find your people is a great book for anyone like seeking community and wanting like good advice on that. That was my mm. earlier summary. I've heard good things about that book. I love that. Grace, thank you so much for being here today. I know our listeners at this point are probably absolutely in love with you. They want to read all of your books, uh, checking out the new one. What will they think? I'm sure there's just, they want to follow along on Instagram, wherever. So would you be down to plug all of your links where people can connect with you? Oh, so sweet. Um, my Instagram is at the Grace Valentine. I didn't choose the, but that was the only thing available. So I, don't, <laughs> I always feel like such a loser for being the Grace Valentine. Like it's like, <laughs> I had that one. It was like literally nothing. Um, so 
But yeah, at the Grace Valentine, www.gracevalentine.org is my website that has kind of like all my links. But I mean, my Instagram is probably the best place to find me. And yeah, shoot me a message if you listen to this podcast. I love like seeing when people go, I listen to this podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. You know, so <laughs> I, I live for like messaging people. And so yeah, Aww. message me after you see this or listen to I, this. I love awesome. it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We had so much fun ch- chatting with you. Yeah, I had so much fun with y'all. Y'all have a great thing going. So it's an honor to be here. Oh, thanks, Grace. We appreciate you.